Thank you for listening to this production from New Life Presbyterian Church. If you'd like to find out more, visit newlifepca.org. Well, there is an increasing amount of research that suggests that a sense of gratitude and routinely giving thanks is something that's good for us, physically, emotionally, and spiritually good for us. There are studies that suggest that giving thanks can enhance our sleep, it improves the health of our heart, it can aid in recovery time and in healing, and it reduces stress. But of course, more importantly and above all, the Bible tells us to give thanks. And so we know that it's right and we know that it's good for us. But you know, it can still be difficult to do things that we know are good for us. Even though we know they're good for us, it can be hard to do them. For example, it can be hard to consume our daily recommended allowances of fruits and vegetables, even though we know that that's good for us. It can be difficult for us to make and keep appointments for annual physical checkups for our health. It can be difficult for us to stay physically active even though we know that those things are good for us. And it can be hard to regularly, faithfully practice Thanksgiving, even if we know that it's good for us. Thanksgiving can be hard. The holiday of Thanksgiving can be hard for some people for a variety of reasons, but to adopt an attitude and practice of Thanksgiving can be hard as well. It can be hard for some people because they find themselves in painful and difficult circumstances, so it can be hard to give thanks. It can be hard to give thanks because our perspective is clouded and we just don't see the things in front of us to be thankful for. It can be hard because our expectations of life have been unmet. And if we're honest with ourselves, it can be difficult for us to give thanks because we can be very arrogant and we can be highly entitled at times. But Thanksgiving can also be hard for us if we have misconceptions about what the Bible is actually calling us to do in giving thanksgiving. And so in order to help us understand better, in order to help us be more faithful in thanksgiving, in order to help us cultivate a habit of living in thanksgiving, we're actually going to look at an example of thanksgiving from the Bible this morning, specifically from Psalm 138. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, you can open them to Psalm 138. If you don't happen to have a Bible with you this morning, you should be able to find a paperback Bible underneath one of the chairs in front of you. And you can find a Psalm 138 on page 300 of those paperback Bibles. But we're going to be looking at this entire Psalm this morning. There are eight verses of Psalm 138. And so I invite you, if you're able, to stand now for the reading of God's Word. Psalm 138, a Psalm of David. This is God's Word. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high... He regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. And though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures 
forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord abides forever. You can be seated. Well, how does Scripture, and specifically how does this psalm instruct us in how we foster living in thanksgiving? Well, let me highlight four things beginning with this. Recognize that thanksgiving is a choice. Recognize that thanksgiving is a choice. The Bible repeatedly commands us to give thanks to the Lord. Some of those commands to give thanks to the Lord are found in the Psalms. For example, we're commanded in Psalm 30 verse 4 to sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. We read similar commands to give thanks in Psalm 33, 2, Psalm 97, 12, Psalm 110, verse 4, and Psalm 105, 106, 107, 118, and 136 all begin with commands to give thanks to the Lord. And in fact, Psalm 136 gives us four commands in that Psalm alone to give thanks to the Lord. And giving thanks is commanded when we turn to the New Testament as well. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Colossians chapter 3, 16 and 17, which we've heard already this morning in our call to worship. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. And we read this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, which we've heard from Judy already this morning. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. We're commanded there as well. And so, Thanksgiving is not just a day set aside to be celebrated in late November. Thanksgiving is is a command from God to be obeyed. And when we understand that it's a command, we also begin to understand that thanksgiving is not just some kind of feeling or emotion that we have. Thanksgiving is not a feeling. It is a choice to act in obedience to biblical commands. It's a choice to act in obedience to biblical commands, irrespective of how we might be feeling at any given point in time. So this means that thanksgiving can be rendered to God even if we're experiencing a variety of different kinds of emotions. Now perhaps this thanksgiving arises most spontaneously and freely when we're experiencing feelings of joy. But thanksgiving can also be expressed to God when we're feeling frustrated, when we're disappointed, when we're worried, or when we're sad. And in fact, giving thanks can alter our emotional state for the better at times when we're committed to rendering that thanksgiving to God as an act of obedience. And although we do not actually find David here in Psalm 138 commanding us to give thanks, we do find David making a conscious decision to give thanks to the Lord in verse 1. He begins the psalm with these words, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Now that last phrase is important because even though thanksgiving is not a feeling, it's not dependent upon our feelings, it's also not something that's merely an outward act. You know, the goal in thanksgiving is not just to mouth empty words of thanks when we're not truly thankful. Thanksgiving is something that is to flow from the heart. It's to be a genuine expression of our hearts. It is to flow from a heart that's filled with gratitude. And the gratitude that overflows in thanksgiving results from a disposition to receive God's blessings as gifts of grace. So this is the second thing that helps us cultivate living in thanksgiving, not just one time out of the year, but every day, year after year. To recognize that thanksgiving is a choice 
and to receive God's blessings as gifts of his grace. Gifts of his grace is in direct contrast to a sense of entitlement, to receive things as we're entitled to them. The language of entitlement is I deserve. I deserve good things. I deserve to have good things. I deserve to have the good things that other people have. I deserve to have the things that I want, and I deserve to have the things that I want right now. And I deserve to have a comfortable life devoid of suffering. This sense of entitlement is fatal. It's fatal to a spirit of thanksgiving. The sense of entitlement kills a spirit of thanksgiving because what's needed in order to give thanks faithfully, what's needed to be living in thanksgiving is to humbly acknowledge that all of the gifts that we have, all that's been given to us is an expression of God's grace to us. Gifts that are unmerited and undeserved. And we actually gain a hint of this kind of humility on David's part when he says in verse six of this psalm, for though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly. And the reason he regards the lowly is not because the lowly can make claims upon him, because the lowly are entitled to something from him. He regards the lowly because it stems from his grace, not upon our claims for him to give us blessings. And so when we recognize that Thanksgiving is a choice, and we receive blessings as gifts of divine grace and not things that we're entitled to, we actually will begin to discover more and more reasons to be thankful. We'll be able to perceive more things in our life that make us grateful and to give thanks. We'll be less complaining. We will worry less. We'll be less bitter, less envious, less frustrated. I want you to observe this if you can see it well. You see what's going on there? This picture depicts two different ways of responding to the blessings that God provides for us. Reflect upon that and ask, which one are you? Which one do you want to be? Because this isn't actually just a way, two different ways of responding to God's blessings. This is actually two different ways to live life. Which one are you? Which one do you want to be? As one person put it, don't let your ice cream melt while you're looking at someone else's sprinkles. <laughs> That's a temptation that we face. So instead of grumbling about how junky your car is, how ugly your car is, maybe we can give thanks that we have reliable transportation because not everybody does. And maybe instead of griping about the constant mess that your kids make around your house, you can stop and give thanks that you have a house and that you have kids because not everybody does. And instead of hating on your boss, maybe you can stop and give thanks that you have gainful employment because not everybody does. And even in the midst of very legitimate aches and pains that you're enduring, legitimate physical, emotional aches and pains, maybe we can still stop and give thanks that those aches and pains are not worse that those aches and pains are not chronic and those aches and pains are not fatal because for some people, they are. And so this is what William Law writes. He said, would you know who is the greatest saint in the world? And notice what he doesn't say is, it's the person who can answer all kinds of Bible trivia questions. It's the person who's able to articulate complex theological doctrines. That's not what he says. He says this, about the greatest saint in the world. It is he who is always thankful to God, 
who wills everything that God wills, who receives everything as an instance of God's goodness and has a heart always ready to praise God for it. And so perhaps there is a gift of divine grace in your life that you're missing because you're focused on something that you're not thankful for in your life or because you're focused on something that you lack and that perspective has blinded you to something that's good in your life. It is so easy for us to miss good things that are right directly in front of us, especially when our focus is skewed. It's easy for us to miss those things. Some very simple things, indoor plumbing, hot water, clean drinking water, the ability to see, the ability to hear. When we lose this perspective of grace, that all of the gifts that we have are undeserved, unmerited gifts from God's hands, when we lose that perspective, we begin to take everything for granted. And so maybe a good exercise for us to perform this week sometime before Thursday is to make a list, one thing that starts with every letter of the alphabet, for which we are thankful, and then acknowledge those gifts as gifts of God's grace and render thanksgiving to him for those things. I suspect that if you do that exercise, you will find that it's actually difficult to limit those things to one thing for each letter of the alphabet. And another thing that this kind of exercise does is it helps us to reject an all-or-nothing view of our life and our circumstance. So that's the third thing that helps us foster living in thanksgiving. Reject an all or nothing view of life and circumstances because our lives and the circumstances in which we find ourselves are likely never all good or all bad, all hard or all easy. It's just not the way life works. And we need to be very clear about this. The Bible does not teach that in choosing to give thanks in obedience to God for the gifts of his grace means that we have to deny the reality of suffering, hardship, difficulty, and pain in our lives. That's not what biblical thanksgiving is calling us to. Nor does the Bible ever tell us that in thanksgiving, that if we're going to live in thanksgiving, that we have to refrain from lamenting and grieving that pain and that suffering. It's not what the Bible teaches. Notice that David is able to admit in verse seven, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. David's not denying that that trouble exists. There is trouble in this world. There is trouble in your life. And there is trouble in my life. And living in thanksgiving doesn't mean that we have to deny that. Living in thanksgiving doesn't call us to pretend that that doesn't exist. Another thing to kind of notice about this psalm is though David seems to express gratitude or declare at least that the Lord preserves his life in the midst of trouble, David doesn't seem to indicate that God takes that trouble away right away. <laughs> that he preserves his life in the midst of that trouble. So here's an important thing to understand about how the Bible calls us to thanksgiving. We can give thanks to God and groan in our suffering at the same time, it's not all or nothing. We can give thanks to God and groan in suffering at the same time. I would put it this way. We do not have to have all trouble removed before we give thanks to God, nor deny our troubles when we're giving thanks. Thanksgiving doesn't require us to deny our, self, to deny our suffering, 
And giving thanksgiving doesn't require that the scales of our life be tipped toward abundance, comfort, or ease. What living in thanksgiving does require, however, and we've heard this already this morning from those who shared so well this morning, what living in thanksgiving does require is recognizing that even in dark seasons, even in painful experiences, and even in difficult circumstances, there is something to be grateful for in light of the goodness of God. Recognizing that there's always something to be thankful for, even in dark seasons, painful experiences, and difficult circumstances, in light of the goodness of God. And in light of that goodness, we render thanks to him. It's so important for us to remember this, because when we begin to deny that, that there's something to be thankful for because of God's goodness, even in difficult circumstances, we will begin to not trust God. And we do not go to people, and we do not love people, we do not cling to people when we don't trust them. We might continue to fear God, but we will no longer love him when we don't trust him, and we won't trust him unless we confess and acknowledge that even in difficult circumstances, God is good. And so Thanksgiving not only expresses our continued belief that God is good, but it facilitates clinging to God in that goodness. We have a wonderful example of this actually in the book of Habakkuk in chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. There's some of the last verses of this book in the Old Testament. Habakkuk was a prophet. This is how the book concludes. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. It's some confession in the midst of anticipated hardship and severe trial. And what Habakkuk and what Psalm 138 teaches us is that thanksgiving ultimately results from and is an expression of realizing that there's always something to be grateful for as we respond to the love goodness and glory of God. That's what fuels our thanksgiving. The reality of the love, the goodness, and the glory of God. So even in severe trial, notice that Habakkuk can always rejoice in the Lord. Even in severe lack, he can rejoice in the Lord because the Lord is his ultimate blessing. It's not just that the Lord is the source of all of our other blessings. The Lord himself is our greatest blessing and nothing can rob us of that. God will never leave us or forsake us. And so we're always able to thank God for who he is and what he has done, what he is doing and what he will do in our lives and in the world through the great work of our Redeemer and our King, Jesus Christ. And we can thank him in the midst of those things even if those things entail hardship and suffering. We can thank God for what he's done, what he is doing, and what he will do. Notice even here in our psalm, that the psalmist's thanksgiving is a response to the steadfast love and faithfulness of God. That's what he mentions in verse two. The steadfast love and faithfulness of God. And then he declares in verse four, all the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord. It's not just David as the king, but all the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord for great is the glory of of the Lord. But that's not just the kings of the earth. All of us 
can respond to the goodness and the glory of God. We're all fueled by these things that he mentions because God's word is gracious. God's word is exalted above all things. He is exalted above all things, his name and his word, and that word to us is good and kind and gracious. It's gospel. And his ways are good, and his glory is great, and his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward us who look to him in faith and who cling to him in faith endures forever. Father, thank you for giving us your son. Jesus, thank you for bearing the penalty that our sins deserve on the cross where you gave up your body and shed your blood. And Holy Spirit, thank you for dwelling in our hearts, for uniting us to Jesus so that all that is his is ours. And we pray that you would fill us to overflowing with gratitude as we leave this place, that we might give you thanks with our whole hearts for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Amen.